being an expert on general automotive knowledge, what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a full barrel carburetor? It is a trick question. Watch this. Because Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing will be four degrees before top dead center. Get ready for another hour of Drive Radio, brought to you by Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. Got a question for the experts? Then give them a call, 303-477-5600. Now it's time to pop the hood and get our hands dirty. Drive Radio on KLZ 560 The Source. All right, we're back. Drive Radio KLZ 560, myself, Josh Goff from Legacy Automotive uh, up in Boulder, also Ridgeline Auto Brokers. If you want to use car, that's a place to go as well. Charlie Grimes, of course, our engineer, and uh, Larry Unger answering phones. Lines are open, by the way. Any questions you have for us, let us know, 303-477-5600. Question of the day, uh, give me your favorite concept car or something that was, uh, you know, came from the aftermarket and is now a pretty much a standard on vehicles that are produced today. Somebody just texted, how about turn signals? Yeah. Because they were added. And he's right. By the way, he, he's correct. They were added back in the day. You put the little switchy thing, you know, the hose clamped it onto the steering column back in the day, and then you'd run your wires out and then put your little lights out, and there you had turn signals. Yeah, because before you just had your arm. Yeah, you just used your arm. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I actually had to do that the other day. I was driving a car that didn't doesn't have turn signals, and I, I'm like, whoa, I haven't done this arm thing, you know. So straight out is left turn, an angled up right yeah. is a right turn, and a down is a stop. And how many people know that? They don't. I had one. Yeah, the, the turn signals were out on the car, and I'm driving it. I need to make a stop, and I did that. And they're, they're waving they just, at you. They just hey! They, they're like yelling at me. Why are you signaling? I am. My arm's out here. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, because nobody knows. Nobody knows what arm signals are. That's hilarious. Actually, somebody also said supercharging started in World War II aircraft as well, and the 30 Duesenberg was supercharged. Yeah, okay, it was, good one. Yeah. Good one. And yeah. the Fords. And, and, yeah, and some of the Fords back then were as well. Now, those superchargers were not the same, though. If I'm Correct me if I'm wrong, but those were not a Roots-type supercharger like came on the Detroit diesels. If I'm not mistaken, those were a different type of a supercharger on those vehicles, more oh. of a Vane-type uh, supercharger, like a, almost like a turbo in essence, not mm-hmm. not a roots type supercharger. I should have been more more clear on the Detroit diesel. Those were those were my. I they, believe they were the first roots superchargers, and they date back. I mean, to the oh, they early thirties back. Oh yeah. yeah, for the first the first inline of the Detroits. That's when they first started coming out. So they go way back on those. I got to look up the history because now you guys have me going. So, anyways, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Somebody else said, and uh, I will say the same thing as well. Trailer hitches. Now, I'm going to expand that. It's not just trailer hitches. You can now get almost any type of trailer hitch, including gooseneck, fifth wheel, Mm -hmm. you name it. They're on most trucks produced. If you buy that truck or even order that truck that way, it will come with all of those things on it, where at one time you literally had to go and have all of that stuff installed. Now it's coming right from the factory that way. That and the trailer braking. I mean, trailer braking. Good ways. Another good one. they're integrated now. It is. I mean, I remember a friend bought a truck from Ford, and the trailer brake didn't work because they hadn't put the software in it yet. Yep. Good one. Good one. That I forgot about trailer brakes. That's another great one. Bob and Centennial, you're next, sir. Go ahead. Hi, guys. And I hope you had a good. I'm glad you had a good time at Sam. We did. We did. It's always a great time. My father used to go to that. He was the vice president of the Dulematic Husky Manufacturing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> really? I didn't know that, but, Rob. Really? 
Roger W. Rice. He was in the automotive trade all the way from the Gates Fleet line. I bought a, when I when I first had my four wheel drive stores back in '86. I bought a lot of product from those guys over in Longmont. It was well-made stuff. Yes, it was. The hubs were some of the best ever made. They were. I bought a lot of stuff from them, Rob. And they came out with a steering stabilizer way back. They did. You are correct. You are correct, Rob. Good memory. Well, I was very proud of my father. Good memory. You know what? I didn't know you had that history. That is really awesome. People forget, by the way, really quick, a little history from some of the Colorado stuff here. That's one. The other one, which most people do not realize, Best Stop, who is now an OEM manufacturer of soft tops for Jeep and so on. on. That's exactly right. You guys joined forces. Best Stop bought them. That's right. And as part of the deal, he was let go. I didn't know that. The president of Best Top insisted that he get to run the joint company, and my father was fired. You know what? I remember that. You are because I, I, I was around. That that was right right as I was, you know, kind of getting into that world on my own and so on. And you are correct, Rob. It hit him very hard, but Dad was a tough guy. And, and, and people people forget Best Stop was started in a little tin building on east in East Boulder, off of Arapahoe, up by the scenic overlook by the power plant. That's where Best Stop started. I was actually I went up to the factory in Longmont several times, and I remember old Ken Grant used to run the place before Dad did. But uh, it was a they that, you know what that's a great story, Rob. Thank you for the trip down memory lane. I forgot about all that. I wish it was a happier trip for my family, but anyway. Yeah, because as you know, Bestop went on to become a really huge, large company, and now an OEM supplier, and they you know beat out. Uh, back in the day, uh, you know Whitlock on the on the you know soft tops and so on, and you know the rest is history, as you know. And Husky Dualomatic is just a memory. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, anyway. That, thank you, Rob. Appreciate that. Um, it's kind of cool, cool that we're touching base on that. I mean, I was I was very proud of my father. I did not know that. That's really cool. Man. And I bought a lot of product from them back in the day. And he never, his dad was the kind of salesman who could sell anything because he was selling a good product. He wouldn't I'm sure I've met your dad at one point in time or another. I'll send you a picture of him. I can do that. Do that. I'm sure I have. Anyway, speaking of Dad, this, I'm dry, I, I was working on the... First of all, I changed the oil on that Saturn, the 93 SW2. Okay. That's not an easy car to change the oil on. <laughs> you have to get the bottle jack just in the right position until the jack stand can go up enough so that you can crawl into the front end of that car, and then you're, the oil filter is behind the steering knuckle, so you have to put a little funnel on the side of that to drip the oil away from the steering knuckle so it'll go into the pan. It was fun. And I've got to change that caretaker oil in the dart that's been six years old. The car is just purring. She's so happy to be running again and just be doing everything I want. But that oil six years old, it's got to go. And I was wondering if I should put the EPR. I've been, I, run, I have the two other cars I changed the oil on. is my 84 Vanagon and that 93 Saturn. And both of them I run EPR with pretty much every oil change. Okay. I guess I, it comes out so black and they're old engines. I thought there's plenty of stuff that, that stuff can get out and I'll be the better off for it being gone. The oil that came out of that Saturn was just pitch black, which I was glad to see it out. Mm. But on the Dart, that's that slant 6, 225. The tolerances and clearances are looser. Do you think it's worth sticking an oil flush and APR in that thing, or should I just figure it's going to take care of itself? I'll let Josh answer that one. I think that old I wouldn't. Just okay, that's exactly why I'm calling. Uh, one, one nice thing, that, uh, there's an additive now, STP makes it called old car, older fuel additive or something like that. It's, it's put in, it basically it takes conventional regular oil and gives it the ad pack that you've got for the old car uh, oils. And it's also got apparently either ZDDP or a substitute for it. It's supposed to be kind sure. of the, all of the catch-all for the sure. older cars. Sure. And, I mean, it, it, it's nothing too special, I guess. But on the other hand, I'm tr- what I'm trying to do now is get rid of a bunch of old 10WSW30 10W30 I've had hanging around in the shed. And just I thought I'll run that and put that stuff in there and put it in the dart. 
the dart I also I used to, I haven't ever run BG44K through the dart. I run Marvel Mystery Oil through it, and I told you that carburetor was as clean as glass yeah. when I took it good. apart to oil it. No, did Marvel products good product? I mean, you know, I we, know we, well, it seems to stabilize the fuel pretty well too. Again, the it does. dart that, yeah, that fuel does. came out looking remarkably good, and it was six years old. And they put, I run it always in the van again. Larry Blazer, who used to run the place on Broadway for VW, said that it gives top-end lubrication to that mm-hmm. boxer, which it is does. glad to have it. It does. I thought about running that in the Saturn, but on the other hand, the Saturn doesn't is fuel-injected, and I'm not sure if that would no, be No, I wouldn't idea. do it in the Saturn, and it's got a Cali converter as well, so I would not do that. Thank you. This is exactly why I call you guys. All right, I had one guess, and it's only a guess. On, of course, we already talked about a whole bunch of aftermarket products that right. kind of got into it. But I was going to say sunroofs. Oh, oh yeah. good one. Yeah, yeah. one time, they were an aftermarket only. You're mm-hmm. correct. And those were the glory days, because trying to get one of those old ones fixed, I mean, yep. I remember, of course, the classic ragtop sunroof, wasn't that something? Right. You unsnap the vinyl, pull it yep. back. Yep, <laughs> exactly. And to think that people ever did that on a car is just mind-boggling. And they, yet, today, we still have some versions of that. Mm-hmm. Jeep has a version of that right now, Rob. Isn't it? Well, it's a lot easier to repair than the regular one. I guess so. Good point. One final note. Don't get too grim about the election. I think we've got a chance on this one. There's a lot of just quiet anger throbbing I agree. in Colorado. You I are correct. People are beginning to just say, there's going to be two words they're going to be saying to the uh, people in power these days, and the second word of which will be you. You got it. You got Stop it. Talking. Not going to argue that one, Rob. Appreciate I'll it, by the way. Do that. I would right. like that. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, really quick, back to the roots blower. It didn't really become popular until 1931 when it became the Roots Blower Company and Connorsville Blower Company that was bought by the International Derrick and Equipment Company. Uh, But it was founded by Philander and Francis Roots all the way back in the late 1800s. So they actually did invent a Roots Blower clear back then, and they actually patented one for the internal combustion engine in 1900. That was by Damler. Uh, Gottlieb Damler did that. That's where the, the, the you know, Mercedes-Benz mm-hmm. ends of it comes into play. But, again, really didn't, didn't get really popular until, somebody said earlier, World War II. The company made screw compressors for the U.S. Navy submarines, and then, of course, they did them on the, on the Detroit diesels as well. So there's a little history of the Roots Blower company as well all right john and cheyenne you got question on tires good question by the way hang tight want to come back and answer that give you plenty of time we're up against a break this is drive radio klz 560 gino's auto service in littleton is the place for all of your car care and vehicle maintenance needs for over 39 years gino's has been serving customers along the front range it won't be long before the cold weather returns and now is a good time to make sure your vehicles are serviced and in good condition for fall Geno's will prepare your car with a belt and hose check for cracks and make sure your fluid levels are correct. How long has it been since you've had your oil changed? Geno's can check to see that your heater is working properly. Remember that any maintenance or repair work on your vehicle comes with a NAPA Peace of Mind warranty, covering parts and labor for 36 months or 36,000 miles. To make your life simpler, Geno's offers loaner vehicles so you can drop your car off and pick up when ready. Give us a call or go online to schedule an appointment. Geno's is AAA approved and located at Bowles and Platte Canyon. Don't forget to check out all of Geno's Google reviews. Stop in or visit us online at genosautoservice.com. That's Geno's with a J. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. 
A BG Performance Oil Change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage and something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG. Do you know what to do in a traffic stop? Kevin Flesh would like to give you a few tips to help keep you and your passengers safe. If you are being pulled over for a traffic violation, slow down and put on your hazards, find a well-lit location that is out of the lane of traffic, keep your hands on the wheel where the officer can see them, and be polite. If you feel it's necessary, record the traffic stop, and then if you need any legal help, call Kevin Flesh at Flesh Law Firm. Kevin is our legal eagle and is an expert in traffic, altercations, and accidents. So put this number into your phone. 303-806-8886. You can also find Kevin online at fleshlawfirm.com. Kevin Flesh, Flesh Law Firm, and proud sponsor of Drive Radio. Napa A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses? Well, look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. All right, we are back, and yes, Stack Optical. If you want anything done, whether it be an eye exam or glasses or even some of the specialty things that Alan does, I've got a set of glasses there he made for me that I was going to pick up, but I didn't get there before SEMA, so I'll run by there this week and grab them. But he's got all sorts of ways of making specialty things, whether it be some of you that do outdoors things, shooting, any of the other outdoor sports. He's got frames with interchangeable lenses, but not just interchangeable lenses like you'd see with some of the cheesy glasses on the market. I mean, these are real robust. Even even folks like Josh, where you're, you're needing safety glasses, things like that, he can do any or all of that for you and have it all in one nice, basically the same glasses you would wear on a regular basis, all in one kit. So nice. many, many ways to do that. Stack Optical, it's a place to go. Uh, highly recommend Alan. He's a great guy. John and Cheyenne, what's up, sir? Hey, good morning again. Hey, Josh. Morning. Morning. Um, (laughs) So before, the uh, previous caller got me reminiscing. My first car was a 1968 Dodge Dart with a 225. Oh, yeah. No slant six. Yeah, four 
four door old my great aunt, my mother's aunt, they had to take the keys away from her. You you you've probably gone through that with some senior citizens. And I to get paid six hundred dollars for it. And I drove that thing till I went into service and you could fit six adult males in that thing mm-hmm. with no problem sure. at all. Sure. And, that, and, and I and that engine would not die, no matter. That was an no, engine. They'd that run forever. Great. You're out. You're. They yeah. leak they oil, but they'd run right. forever. Yeah, you just check the oil when you yep. filled it up. Yeah. And uh, but the other thing I always carried was, and John, you'll remember this. Remember on the firewall, you had that ballast resistor. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had one one of those and the voltage regulator that was also on the firewall yeah. in the glove compartment. And it means you, were, you had a spare whenever you needed it. <laughs> yeah. Some people will yeah, bolt the ballast well, resistor to the firewall. Go every <laughs> yeah, 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 Josh is right, John. A lot of folks would even bolt the extra one to the firewall. In, by the way, both cases. Right. You put the voltage regulator and the ballast resistor. You'd have two of them bolted there. If you need to do anything, you just switched it over and away you went. Yeah. Pop the hood. Very and common. Go. I kept it. You know, old school, you kept the set of tools in the car. Yeah, that's right. What, yeah, that day doesn't exist anymore. Set. You don't hardly need that anymore. No. Don't know what you do with them if you had them. The, <laughs> Fix a fence or something, maybe, know, but you're not working on the car. No, other than I always, I don't know, I just can't go on a road trip without a small set of tools. I know, the I'm the same way, although I don't know what I'd do with them if you broke down because you're not fixing anything anyways, but I still do it. You know, in case a hose or a belt goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, there is that, you know, I don't know. You know, for me, I think it's more helping the next person out than it is me, John. Normally, I'm dialed in. Mm -hmm. I don't really have any issues. It's the next guy I'm worried about. But when you drive the car without the... you never know. Right. Now you're going to have problems. Yeah, Yeah, when I take a spare car without jumper cables or a jump box. That's right. I don't need it, but everybody I run into needs to be jumped off. Right. Exactly. Right. So we were talking about tires last week. And after the after the show, Bridgestone on YouTube, I linked to it from their site, has a great video for anybody who doesn't understand tire size and how it's calculated. Nice. It was like they were like talking to third graders. So nice. I understood it with no problem. Nice. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing: I got a buddy who's got a 2022 uh, Tacoma. He's a Tacoma guy. Does he have a man bun? Also, uh, just, man- just asking. Huh? Does he have a man bun? Just no, asking. He, actually, he I don't know why. But I'm just kidding. You know that. <laughs> I'm just he goes, kidding. He goes out and hunts, and, and hunts mountains. I will mountain say, though, and as you know, John, most Tacoma owners, have, you know, yeah. they, they, they don't know. Uh, if they had to turn a hub in, they wouldn't know how to do it. Well, he, no, this guy's a lineman by trade. There you so go. Okay, you. there you go. That's different. <laughs> but he just loves to he, – he said he got his first one. He never had a problem with any mm-hmm. of the Tacomas he had. And he's, they're a great vehicle. I, I, I just knock them because it's fun, too. But, no, they're a great vehicle. I, I, you know, yeah. All of that's tongue-in-cheek. They're a great vehicle. You know that, John. Yeah. Well, he goes out hunting mountain lions all winter. Um, that I would – he's, he's a better man than me already. <laughs> In yeah. Wyoming. And uh, – yeah, in southeast Wyoming or northern Colorado. I guess he's got a Colorado permit, too, but they're still considered predators, so you just need a hunting license, Okay, you telling me. Um, but tires. So he's got a 2022 Tacoma, 17-inch rims. Okay. And what he uses in, in the winter is those Toyos. Okay. But what he did, and I'm asking you if this is uh, worthwhile, 
he put two thirty-five eighties, seventeens on it, and he says he cuts through the snow like he. Yeah, I'm sure he does. That's a narrow tire. Yeah, I'm sure he does. But here's the question: How much would that affect handling on the highway? None. Mm, Not enough to. None. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, John, the old, like your old Chevy. Uh, they would have come with either sixteen yeah. five or a two thirty five eighty five sixteen back in the day. They handled fine. Well, you mean you mean nine point five point sixteen? Yep, is essentially a two thirty five eighty five sixteen. Yeah, except it's in a, it's a nightmare to find the sixteen and a half. Correct. And They're not exi- They don't find, exist hardly find, anymore. And find eight volt. 16-inch rims are getting harder to find, too. Uh, you know, well, wow. not really, because keep in mind, that's the same bolt pattern uh, all the way up. Um, other than the lug size itself, that's about the only thing you got to worry about. But as far as the bolt pattern goes, they're still the same. Up to what year? Uh, on a Chevy, it's the same. All the way up. I think you go all the way up in the early 2000s. Don't quote me on that. I have to look at a okay. at a wheel chart, John, but a long, long time. Okay, okay. Maybe I'll shoot you an email on that, because if I could find a set of 16-inch rims, it would be nice. Oh, you should have I no problem it. with that. Okay, because I talked to the guy, uh, guy that specializes in used tires in Cheyenne, and he had... Set of, I think they uh, went metric in 01, John. I just looked it up. I think 01 was the first year for the metric bolt pattern. So 2000 and older is all the same. Okay. I'll start searching Craigslist. Okay. And so if you, you, know, you find something in the late 80s, mid 90s, you're fine. They okay. fit that truck. Okay. So can I answer the question of the day? Yeah, go ahead. Two things that I don't know if a kid today that's under third, under 25 would even know what it is. And that's driving without power windows mm-hmm. or cruise yeah. control. Good right. ones. Those are both good. <laughs> yes. And locks. Now, here's and my locks, question. Yeah. Power locks, too. Here's, and here's the thing. My father isn't, wasn't working in the truck, and I haven't had a chance to get a new one. And people look at me crazy when I walk up and unlock the door with the key. Yep. You know the yeah. other one? Oh, yeah. Yep. There's yeah. another one that came the from the aftermarket. Wiper. Yep. And then the only other thing, John, that goes along with cruise control is why don't people use it? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, good question. You know the speed up, slow down guy that you're following and you're like, would you please just go one speed? Because you pass him mm-hmm. and then he passes you and then you pass him again, especially if you're like north of uh, Fort Collins heading to Cheyenne and you're like, I haven't touched my cruise control since I left Fort Collins. It's on 80. And you must have passed the same guy three times, and then he passes you mm-hmm. because he's not paying attention or he's not using his cruise control. Mm-hmm. And actually, I just, you know really guy, quick, right? I just looked up, too. I was wrong on the 2001. Yeah. I was off a digit. It's 2011 they went to the metric. So you're the same from 67 to 2011. So it's pretty close on a very long 67 time. Sixty-seven to twenty-eleven. <laughs> Chevy eight-inch and Dodge pattern. Now I got and Dodge is the same huh? as well. Keep in mind, keep in mind, Dodge was the same. Okay. Ford was the only oddball of those. So really, Dodge, GM, all the same, all the way up. Okay, and then they'll have the the, the big wide uh, center hub. 
Yeah, that, the, the biggest thing. Yeah, the over. biggest thing is trying to find hub centric. But if you don't mm-hmm. carry big loads, you know, in your world, not a huge, huge deal if it's not hub centric. Uh, that, by the way, that's an eight. No, that's an eight by six and a half inch bolt pattern is what you're looking for, John. Eight by six and a half inch bolt pattern on a Chevy or a Dodge. Okay. Yep. Now that hopefully, now I've got four good tires on it. Hopefully, it'll make it through the winter. You should be fine. Um, running with four chains kind of tears up the tires. They a do. More that's often. the one downside to change. You're correct on that. But you know what? Running without chains, you can't push snow. No, it's hard where you're in, at. <laughs> in a dirt road. Yep. Actually, just went and scouted the road, and all the snow that was on the road when I came in 30, Thursday night is now in Nebraska. It is. <laughs> Hey, John, have a great day. You weekend. too, John. Appreciate it. And that should help you out on the wheel side as well. Gilbert and Bob, hang tight. We'll come right back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Hello, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with Ken's and Leslie Distributing, your local BG Products distributor. Back again this week with your BG Tech Tip. This week, I want to talk about one of the most neglected fluids in your car, the power steering fluid. You've probably noticed that over the years, the power steering system in your car does a phenomenal job of making your car easier than ever to steer. What you probably haven't noticed is that the manufacturer neglected to include either a filter or a drain plug for the high-pressure hydraulic fluid that operates your power steering system. Our studies show that driving conditions such as stop-and-go traffic or mountain driving can cause power steering fluid to oxidize in as little as 30,000 miles. Oxidized power steering fluid can cause the hardening and degradation of the bushings and seals within the power steering rack assembly, and when this occurs, expensive repairs can follow. We recommend visiting a shop with a specialized power steering fluid exchange system that can replace the entire power steering fluid at least every 30,000 miles thusly maintaining maximum performance and lifespan for your high-pressure power steering system. Thanks again, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with BG Products, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. You're driving down the road, and out of nowhere comes a bang. A huge rock just hit your windshield, and now you have a star in your windshield. We all know the chip can be fixed, but who is the best? Who has the best resins that keep developing them to work with the newest windshields? That would be Novus Autoglass. Novus, which is the Latin word for innovate, invented windshield repair in 1972, and it still leads the industry in cutting-edge technology. Backed by more patents than any other repair and replacement company, while other glass repair services offer limited warranties or worse none at all you can trust the original novus pros to stand behind their work with a full refund that you can use towards a windshield replacement for the life of your windshield find a novus location near you by going to our website drive-radio.com just click on the novus link that's novus autoglass a proud sponsor of drive radio Have an older furnace system? Noticing high energy bills, more breakdowns? Are some rooms colder than you'd like? 
Upgrade to a modern high-efficiency furnace and you can reduce your heating usage by 20 to 40%. Less money spent heating your home and more money to spend doing the things that you enjoy most. Mention this ad and receive $250 off your upgrade to a high-efficiency furnace system. Call 720-442-8842 or visit driveradio.com today. That's 720-442-8842 or go to drive-radio.com for absolute electrical heating and air. For quality and service beyond compare, call absolute electrical heating and air. You are responsible for making sure that you are properly insured, but you're not alone. While Paul Lewinberger believes in personal accountability, He wants to make sure he's setting you up for success as your home and auto insurance agent. Paul will teach you about how you can save money on your premium while being fully covered in case of a loss. Your insurance should be for emergencies, not petty cosmetic issues. Insurance is not a coupon, your bank account, or for maintenance. Paul Lewinberger will tell you that your insurance is for emergencies. And when you work with Paul, you'll be rewarded for your diligence. Ask him about their incentivizing rebate program. Take a higher deductible and take responsibility. It's just one of the ways they can afford to keep their rates low. Take control of your life. Take responsibility for your insurance coverage. Call Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance now at 303-662-0789. That's 303-662-0789. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Gilbert in Denver, you're next. Go ahead, sir. Hello, hi. Hi, Gilbert. Enjoy the show. Thank you, sir. It's a 2016 uh, 3.5 liter. It's an Odyssey engine, Mm -hmm. a Honda. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking on some of the YouTube. What is the VCM uh, muzzler deletes? You know anything about those? No, I don't. No, uh, I don't. Hmm. Are they are deleting that so the light doesn't come on anymore, or what? Well, it's supposed to de- uh, uh, delete. Uh, I guess it puts a resistor between the uh, temperature sensor and I guess the computer. So I guess the uh, doesn't three of the cylinders uh, stop on and on and off when you're driving. Oh. Is why would you want to turn that off? I mean, the system. Works. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. They're saying there's some issues with oil consumption or the uh, uh, spark plugs getting fouled and that. Have you heard anything on, on those engines? I mean, I've worked on a lot of them. We really haven't had any issues with as long as you do oil changes and run EPR in it. On right. that side, been doing that. Yeah, I just happen to see it on YouTube and. You can put a, a, a resistor between the... Yeah, there's actually a company wiring. called VCM Tuner that makes that for that vehicle, and their claim is that, you know, Honda sold you a defective vehicle, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's, that's probably right. a stretch to say, yeah, but... I see a lot of people doing that, putting that DDL in it with just wiring. It's a plug-and-play deal, so it doesn't take much to do it. So, I mean, if you wanted to, you're not really out anything other than maybe some... And for everybody listening, by the way, this is on mostly, uh, you know, some of the older vehicles, I think... They did make that all the way up into some of the later, what, Passports and Ridgelines, Gilbert? I'm not a Honda expert. Mm-hmm. No. Um, so I don't know exactly on it's, that. Yeah, it's, it's still on most of them. Okay. But. So it does delete uh, a certain uh, 
RPM. I mean, I'm guessing yeah, it's, it's very it similar takes, to what you, there's some there's some GM deletes on their uh, engine uh, uh, cylinder management. Right. It, that, it, some of the guys are doing deletes on those as well, Gilbert. Again, some of the same claims. It's a defective system. They don't work that great, blah, blah, blah. But again, back to Josh's point, if you even on the GM engines did everything the way you're supposed to, change oil correctly, use the right additives and so on, those weren't an issue either. Where they were issues are the guys that didn't do maintenance. And that's what we've seen on the Hondas and the GMs. If you do it right, it's not the, a problem. the ones that I've replaced or had issues with, they're always motors that they didn't do maintenance on. Correct. And the same with okay. the GMs. So. I don't see, you know, unless, yeah, you have a motor that you bought used or something like that and it hasn't been maintained. In that case, you may want to. It's your call. Yeah, or the light's on and you just want to shut it off for cheap. But other than that, I wouldn't do it. If if your motor's in good shape, I wouldn't do it because the system did help with fuel economy and mm-hmm. everything else. And as long as you maintain it, the ones that I work on that are maintained, it's not an issue. It's always the ones that aren't okay. maintained that are the issue. I just wanted your advice on that. No, there you yeah. go. Thank no, you very much. No, uh, by the way, great question because I've had that same question on some of the GM V8s where they've got the you know the uh, cylinder management is what I call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got their own name for it, and they change the GM changes the name depending upon what year it is. But essentially, it's cylinder deactivation is what they're doing on those vehicles, and a lot of people complain about it. A lot of the hot rodders complain about it, and so on. But again, a regular vehicle driven regularly, normally. Uh, proper maintenance and so on. It it just isn't. It's just not an issue. So, Bob and Parker, you're next. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, I was in years ago. I was in the garage and I asked my dad. There was a, a steel can on the wall parts. You know. Mm-hmm. So what's that? He says it's an overhead oiler. And I'm scratching my head. Like, oh yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the the Chevy sixes World War Two did not have oil pumps. Splash system. They called it. Yeah. It was a splash system. Yeah, so the the crankshaft pistons and, and uh, cam and, and whatever you call the lifters in there got oil splashed on like a lawnmower engine. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then they worked fine until you had high RPMs. And the low RPMs, <laughs> Bob, they'd run forever and ever and ever. They didn't work very well if you got too much RPM in them. Yeah, and too much RPM, I'm guessing, was about 1,500. <laughs> yeah, anything over, well, probably more like 20, you know, 2,000, 2,500. But, yeah, the higher you got, the worse it worked. I, I was told the connecting rods and those that they poured the um, material for the, the, the bearing uh-huh, the into the rod, then cut it and everything. That's right. And then, and then machined it. That's correct. So... There were not inserts, no shells. No. Used to call those Babbitt bearings back in the day. Yes. 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 And uh, let's see here, the, the dip slingers and all that. And I was about eight years old, and we had a '53 Chevy, and it locked up downtown on the, uh, mm-hmm. the Golden Triangle down there. And I'd watch my dad do it, and Mom gets out, and guy gets out and lifts the hood, and he's standing there scratching his head. Wasn't no, don't get out of the car. For about five minutes, I think. Well, I can show him. So I reach over the fender and said, well, you grab this rod here and you lift up on it, and that, that makes the transmission work again because it was locked in two gears. Gotcha. That happened, and, too, uh, a lot back know. in the day. Yeah, you know, and those oh, people man. don't realize it's a splash system, but as you know, Bob, it was a splash system that had still little ports, and the oil would try to get pushed up those little tubes and so on. They kind of had these little catch catch arrays, if you would. Now, what a lot of guys did, and I did it even back in the day, you could take an engine out of like an early 60s, Chevy truck that had pretty much been used up maybe on the truck, but you could take that exact same engine that was pressurized and go put it in that older truck, and they worked fine. Yes, and the, the newer ones had hydraulic lift. That's right. That's right. Pumps the oil up. That's right. 
And uh, so for knuckleheads like on the Corvette, the 53 came one way with the new engine. And the new engine came one way with uh, automatic transmission. Okay. And uh, the cast iron power glide weighed more than the engine. Yes, it did. They were it off. sure did. They were very heavy. And uh, yeah, so if you if you bought a fifty three with a manual shift, you know, on on three on the tree and and the clutch pedal, that was the old Stobolt engine, no oil pump. Okay, makes sense. And that's that's how they separated. I started doing some research and I was wondering like, why did this and why did that? And uh, my goodness, <laughs> my dad said the hydromatics they used those in tanks in World War Two. Uh, they did. That is yeah. correct. Yeah, and they were. They uh, well, I guess that's part of how you win the war. <laughs> uh, we had better technology. Yes, we did. Yeah, my dad uh, quit school at seventeen, joined the navy, and uh, right in the middle of the war. Hmm. And he was back on the streets in Denver after the war. Wow. Still a teenager. Wow. And, wow. Uh, Amazing. Those those were those were good people, Bob. Yeah, when they talked about making America great again. uh, We need better people to do that, I hate to say, Bob. It takes people to make things happen. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. You're correct. We still have those people. It's just, um, well, thank God we're not in another Hitler situation. You got it. I agree, Bob. Thanks, sir. Thank you, sir, very much. I appreciate it. And uh, I got some comments on the people thing, even based upon the trade show that Josh and I were just at a moment ago that I'll comment on. Uh, Ed in Los Animas, what's going on? Well, I got a 2014 Jeep Patriot, okay. four-wheel drive. I talked to you before about it. Mm-hmm. All right, I went back and talked to the guy about what he'd done wrong and all this kind of stuff, and I took it to get it aligned up, and they say it can't be aligned because he put the wrong parts in it. Hmm. Okay. He's done rear suspension service, rear control arm bushing, and uh, control arm, toe-in control, all that kind of, all the rear suspension. Okay. But they can't align it. Because he, they said it's aftermarket parts, and they don't, you can't adjust them. He put in the ones that can't be adjusted. Well, he put in non-adjustable so parts. Right. Yeah, that would make right. sense. And, yeah, and he charged me for you know, the good. I told him to put the good stuff. I didn't. I didn't tell him to put aftermarket stuff on. I told him to put the good stuff. I, mm-hmm. I, I wanted the best. And he didn't do it. And I took me. Well, and nothing. I can't do anything about it. You know, and and what recourse have I got on something like that? Given the fact it's not alignable, I think you have a lot. Yeah, and they're going to charge me. This other place, I that over, I took to a reputable mechanic. I mean, he's real uh, performance auto, and he said they put the wrong parts in it, and you can't adjust them. Hmm. And the wheels are set are slanted. Yeah, no, they need to have adjustable parts in it, no doubt. Right, and what record? Can I go back on the guy and get yes. my money back yeah. on, on? Yes. If it's not well, aligned, if it's not that. alignable, yeah, it needs to be fixed. Yes. And he says he he can't do it and all that kind of stuff. Yes, so. he can. They make parts yeah. that'll make it alignable. Fact. I don't I'm know why he didn't put adjustable it. parts in it. That'd be the best right. way to I'm do it. Let him, I'm, I'm not going to let him do it anyhow. I've got this other guy doing it. He's going to charge me seven hundred more dollars. How did you pay, Ed? I paid by check. That's what you should never do. I know. I know. Credit but card. See what we're. Well, credit card. Wrong. He he told me he couldn't take credit cards. Uh, he said, "Well, he had to have cash or check." And uh, there's your first red flag. I knew better, but uh, what do you could have taken? But small, small claims. claims. Yeah, small claims court, and just save and all your receipts from the new place you're going to, 
And that one's pretty cut and dried. You shouldn't have any issues getting that one taken care of. It's pretty cut and dried, Ed. All right, I'm, that's what I'm going to have to do. There you go. So, and he and, and another thing he done. I had him work on another car. I had a 2016 e, you know, Equinox uh, Chevrolet, and he uh, fixed the transmission. Transmission ain't working right, and he tells me after he done it that he has no way of calibrating it. And this one transmission plate, well, you have to be calibrated before it run right. And he mm-hmm. said he couldn't do that. So I guess I could. Take you need a new technician. Points. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I want to know, my friend. Just what recourse I have. Them. Yeah, you know, you you have recourse. Save all your receipts. Document everything. Uh, in small claims court, the guy with the most documents wins. That'll be you. You'll have no issues. Well, I've got all what he done to the car, and I have all what they're going to there do. You to go. There you exactly. go. Easy enough. Okay, my little friend. I appreciate you. You're very time. welcome, Ed. Sorry about that. And uh, and for all of you listening, it is why. And, and by the way, a lot of a lot of reputable car repair places won't even take a check anymore. I sold my shops back in 2012, and even I in 2012 was not taking checks anymore. That was 10 years ago, folks. And why wasn't I not taking checks anymore? Because people would stiff you. Mm-hmm. They'd cancel a check a day later because they didn't have any money in their account, and you'd try to run them down and find them. So I got the point where it was cash or credit card only. There's a lot of shops today that are that way. But rule of thumb on any type of a service item, no matter who you're buying it from, car repair, you're buying an appliance, you name it, use your credit card. We've had this discussion many times on Fix-It Radio, but use your credit card. You've got more protection there than than really even Small Claims Court has because you can dispute that, and typically they'll go to bat for you and get it taken care of. So Josh and I will be right back. Mark and Black Forest, hang tight. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Most oil changes are the same. Old oil out, new filter, new oil in. It's a routine, a chore on the to-do list. What if your oil change wasn't the same as the rest? What if it was life-changing? BG. A BG oil change can change your life because it comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system, which means a lifetime of peace of mind for you. Find a shop near you at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. BG. No one likes to be that person. You know the one stuck on the side of the road, busted tire, making everyone slow down to get around them. With Legacy Automotive's new tire sales, you don't have to be that person ever. Here in our Colorado climate, you might be closer to needing new tires than you think. A bad set of tires can be dangerous and even life-threatening. Tires should be regularly examined for cracks, bulges and blisters, and other signs of wear and tear on your vehicle. The skilled team at Legacy Automotive in Boulder will be able to examine your current set of tires, let you know what they recommend based on what they find, and help you get on the road. Legacy Automotive is a Napa Gold certified auto care shop and employs ASC certified technicians. So don't be that guy. And make an appointment at Legacy Automotive today at 303-396-0555 or visit them online at LegacyAutomotive.com. Legacy Automotive, locally grown auto repair. Hunting down that hard-to-find part for an out-of-the-ordinary car can be quite a time-consuming chore. Unless, of course, you just go around the corner to your local Napa Auto Parts store, where we have over 310,000 parts, all of them made to fit and perform just like the original. Yeah, there are people who say it's the journey and not the destination, but those people have never tried to find an alternator for an 82 Fiat on a Saturday. Go to NapaOnline.com for the location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff. 
Have you ever thought about owning a classic car, hot rod, older truck, or an out-of-the-norm vehicle? Worldwide Vintage Autos is the place to go for all your vintage car and truck needs. With over 80,000 square feet of indoor showroom and warehouse space, they make the shopping experience easy. Every vehicle they sell is checked out by their own staff and is verified as a roadworthy vehicle, and this includes consignment vehicles. When you buy a vehicle from Worldwide, it's a vehicle you can safely drive home. They sell over 1,200 vehicles a year, and most of their inventory comes from people like you and me. If you want to eliminate the hassle of selling your vintage or unique vehicle, give them a call today. By the way, sign up today for the VIP list. They'll give you updates on all their new inventory that the general public doesn't see yet, and it's at a discounted price. Worldwide Vintage Autos. Don't let the name fool you. They sell worldwide, but their showroom is right here in Denver. Find them today at WorldwideVintageAutos.com or call 877-378-4679, and make sure you tell them John Rush from Drive Radio sent you. All right, we've got some SEMA stories, too, that we'll share. Charlie's asking us, hey, make sure we don't forget. We'll get that. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get some calls and do that as well. So Josh and I will share some of the stories from there also. Uh, Mark and Black Forest, though, you're waiting. Go ahead, sir. Hey, um, 95 Dodge, uh, 2500 Ram. Okay. And um, when it sits a few days um, and I start it up and put it in gear, it takes, you know, about a minute before it wants to go into gear, okay. before, before it'll move. And um, I've checked the fluid level. It seems okay. Any thoughts? Once it engages, is it fine? Yeah. So basically you're waiting for it to suck up the oil, fluid. Yeah, yeah, fluid from the pan and circulate it back into the transmission, which sounds like then it's dumping it all back out, which... It shouldn't be doing. How many days does it sit when it does that? Oh, probably about four or five. And how, and and it takes how many seconds? About a minute, you said. That's a quite a minute's quite a while. Well, no, no, it's it's more like thirty seconds. To where it'll pick it up and then start working. Pump's starting to get old. Yeah, yeah, get yeah. Warm to tighten up a little yep, bit. Yep. And and it'll just get progressively worse, Mark. I don't think anything's going to go out tomorrow. It'll just progressively get worse. Yeah, uh huh. Is what it'll do. Do you, does a does a shop need to uh, replace the? Just put a transmission in. When you're to that time. point, you got enough other worn components. Put a transmission in. Ooh, okay. You're, there's no All sense right, just so fixing the pump. No. I don't think because you got to pull out the transmission anyway. You're going to pull the transmission out while you're there. You might as well do an overhaul or or buy one ready to go. And as soon as the new pump goes in, everything behind it's going to blow yeah, up. Yeah, and then you might as well put a torque converter in it. You might as well put clutch packs in it. You might as well put bands in it. I mean, now down the line we go. <laughs> okay. And how many miles are on it? Uh, 175. Yeah, yep. you're at that Just point. Time. Just do it. Okay. So just start budgeting for a transmission. Then when when you're ready, do it. And sometimes the okay. additives will give you, you know, a little, little bit of extra life or a little it. bit, but it's not going to fix it. It's no. just going to band-aid it. Correct. Right. Yeah, I've heard that sometimes if you change out the fluid and a, and a marginal transmission actually makes it worse. It may because it gets rid of all the shellac that's in there that's kind of holding some things together. But <laughs> point being, if it's that point, it needs it anyway. So just start budgeting for it. I wouldn't, sp- I wouldn't do any more with it. 
leave it like it is and just budget for a transmission. Don't put any mm-hmm. fluid in it, additives, nothing. Just start Try budgeting. Yeah. Okay. Okay? Don't waste any more money on what you know is already going bad. Alrighty. Okay. Thank you. Mark, thank you. You're, you've got a good head on your shoulders finance-wise. You'll, you'll figure that out. All right. A few stories from SEMA. Charlie also asked us, what are potentially some of the trends that we saw? Because, again, SEMA, you know, back to the question of the day, there are a lot of cases, trends mm-hmm. that get set coming out of SEMA. And, you know, again, some of these are coming from typically the West Coast that then, you know, travel across the country as well. And I will say after walking, one trend <clears> – <throat> That I did see that's getting bigger, and it's one that I'm I I've got to learn more about because I don't know if it's a flash in the pan or if it's here to say if it's here to stay. And, and that's the Overland world. No, oh, it's huge. And if you guys yeah. don't know what the Overland world is, just go look it up. Overlanding is where you take a vehicle and you go camping and you know trail riding and exploring and so on, but you do it in sort of a quote unquote minimalistic way. You might have a pop up tent type apparatus on your camper shell you might have a little trailer that you tow behind your jeep or your tacoma or your whatever and it's got like a pop-up shell tent apparatus and stove and water and all this different stuff but the overlanding thing just continues to grow to the point this year there was an entire overland display in the truck suv uh end of the hall which in in the four by four world where that's to my knowledge now granted i haven't been for a few years but even back up to 2016 that they may have had one or two small displays, not an entire section. So that is a growing area. Now, is it a flash in the pan, or is it going to get bigger? Josh knows more about that than I do. I think it's going to it's going to keep growing for a lot. I mean, when I was a kid, we, it's called, a hobby. we called it Jeep camping. Yeah, you know? yeah right. It's not we, like it's new. Right. We threw the Coleman stove and the Walmart tent in the back and four-wheeled as far as we could up a trail. Hey, here's and, and where camped. it's new, because my wife was asking me a lot about this. Here's where it's new. The equipment that these guys are using... And here's what's happened. Where it used to be what Josh just said, and a lot of us did that, it's now gotten fancy. Mm-hmm. Where you've got this fancy, you know, $5,000 camper shell with a tent attached, or you've got this $10,000 or $20,000 trailer you're toting around that has all this stuff. In. So all that's happened is what you used to do fairly inexpensively has just gotten to be real expensive. Yeah, they're trying to make it more like glamping, you know? Correct. So, and now, is it more comfortable the way they're doing it? Yeah, but... Point being, they call it the Overland Experience, where a lot of folks had already been doing it. They just never called it that. Right. It's now it's a, got a name. It's got a name, exactly. Am I, am I explaining that correctly? Correct. Okay. Yeah, it just has a name and, and more gear to go because with. Because we were doing that hunting and fishing and stuff for years and years and years oh. when I was a kid. We just, right. and my dad, even back in the day, we had a 72 GMC Jimmy that he had a short box truck with a camper shell on it that we had that matched the Jimmy. And we were doing overlanding, quote unquote, back before overlanding existed. Right. Because that's exactly. essentially what they're doing is they're just taking that same concept and going out into the wilderness. And I think they're trying to break it down from crawling, you know, where you're out there just a four wheel. You're not going to camp. You're not going to do anything. Correct. You just want to. You're up fly. for the day. You're out. Yeah, exactly. You might even be staying in a in a condo or a hotel down in Breckenridge, but you're up doing trails during the day. And with crawling, you want to, you know, do hard, really hard stuff, you know. Things where you have to build the vehicle to do it. Almost a buggy type of an apparatus. Right, and with right. almost you need a trailer queen, you know, a car that you built Correct. specifically for. Correct, with Correct. overlanding, you're able to go down the highway at highway speeds and then go up any mining road in the state. With your trailer. With your trailer and or your built, you know, Jeep or whatever. Correct. With a rooftop tent and all that. And then you can set up a nice camp and, and cook and, 
and have you know a decent place right. to sleep because the trail you know the rooftop tents are pretty nice. They I are nice. They I are. like it. It's yeah, and you know, these are made where, by the way, you can go in our mountains. You can go down into the deserts of of Arizona, California. You you could go across the you know the the you know, the continent even not just the country but the continent. You could travel all the way down into Mexico, places mm-hmm. like that. I mean, that's what these things really are. I mean, they're very. You know, this is not a tent trailer no. that's stiffened up. These are made from scratch, solid steel. They, they'll they use a box type assembly. Some of them, by the way, are made here in Colorado. There's two or three of these trailer companies here in Colorado that are building these things. There's more than that. I mean, I'll bet you I saw, if I saw one manufacturer doing these Overland trailers, I saw 10. Yeah. And I'm not exaggerating. No, there was At least 10, maybe more. I didn't, I kind of stopped counting because you'd go to booth after booth after booth and there's somebody else's new trailer. And the problem is they all kind of look the same. They do look the same. Some of them have little different idiosyncrasies, and that's kind of its own kind of trend. I mean, does it have water? Does it have bathroom storage? You know, the, you know, gray water. Uh, you know, does it all come apart or is it all condensed? Mm-hmm. You know, and what's the price point? What's it made out of? And what I did notice is there's a huge difference in the quality from one end to the other. Oh yeah, major difference. I did see that in everything from how the hitch is made. To the tires and wheels they're using, to the axle apparatus, and on down the line suspension. we go. Suspension. I mean, some of these trailers are incredible. I yeah. mean, they have better suspension than the four-wheel drive that's towing them. Correct. Correct. Now, and they're not light either. That's the other misconception. They all look like, oh, these are light little units. Not no, so much. Heavy. Yeah. He- heavier than most likely your tent trailer you'd normally be. So, mm-hmm. so that was one trend I noticed is the Overland thing is, is getting larger and larger the other thing the other trend that i noticed and probably because that was the industry that i was in for literally 30 years i did the math too this was the 31st sema show i'd been to so i've been to a few so 31 years of going there the one thing i did notice that you know i just haven't been paying a lot of attention to that particular part of the industry but i should have lots and lots of consolidation in lots of areas of the show now not just in one specific area, but, I mean, companies buying companies, buying companies, buying companies. I mean, there was one booth in the four-wheel drive truck world where one booth encompassed, I'm not joking, 24 different companies. Mm-hmm. 24, 25 different companies. One one company. So a lot of you have even been mentioning the Amp Steps that at one time was an aftermarket product. Now a lot of trucks come with the fold-down automatic steps. That was an Amp AMP product. That company was bought up by another company. So what's happened is that section of the show is actually smaller than it once was because of the consolidation, where before you'd have 24 different booths, you now have one larger booth. But even so, the 24 would not have fit inside of the one large one. Even though the one large one's pretty large, it's not 24 individual spaces. So there's been some consolidation. Is that a trend that will continue? Probably knowing what the economy's doing and so on, most likely that will continue. As far as like stylish-type trends, the squatty little rubber tires on the big stupid wheels on the (laughs) 10-foot-tall lifted trucks... It's still popular, and I don't know why, with but your, it is. With your name on the suspension now. I, yeah, it's still popular. I, I don't understand. I don't get it. I'm, I don't understand it. Um, I, I just I don't understand it. But there were, if there was one of those trucks there, there was 50. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm exaggerating with the 50. No, you're not. There was outside. Inside, inside, outside, at least 50 of those trucks, and I could be low in my in my numbers. Yeah, there was at least 30 just sitting outside in that one area. Uh, it, there could, there may have been 100 throughout the entire show if I get all the way down to the wheel and tire section and so on. There's that many of those literally, you know, one foot lifted, you know, literally like a 12-inch lift kit truck. I'm, I'm not exaggerating in that. Is that a trend? Um, we'll talk about that a little more when we come back here after this break. So hang tight. Top of the hour break news. Uh, we'll be right back on another full hour. Give us a call, 303-477-5600. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Still haven't had enough? Go to drive-radio.com. Email your questions and comments. Download previous programs and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.